The Gym Class Zeros Podcast, where the zeros are the heroes. going on everybody we're back you know what we we have to start the show with a quick apology we've been lacking a little bit as of late the boys were not here last week we missed the whole week no podcast uh it's our bad it's our bad and for that we're gonna give you a double amazing podcast this week so so don't worry sit tight uh get comfortable get some popcorn because gym class zero's podcast is back and we're ready to get rolling uh, before we do that, as we always do, let's make sure we introduce ourselves. It's me. I'm George. Hey, what's up, guys? It's Seti. Back with enthusiasm. Did you miss me? I know you missed me. I know right now you're listening to this podcast. You got your headphones in, you're working, you're minding your business, and you hear a lovely voice. Guess who? It's Coach, back for another episode. And what's going on, guys? Brewmaster Kyle here. Come back with another special edition of Blends Brew of the Week. Let's just jump into it then. You know, you're teasing us with this special. We're ready to roll. We're back after after a, you know a quick little short hiatus. So go for it, Brewmaster Kyle. What do you got brewing for us this week? Yeah, like I said, this one's special. This one was actually uh, provided to us by producer Seg's mom, the producer of the producer. So we're getting into this. It's a uh, provided by Broken Stick Brewing Company. So we each have a different can. Uh, so I'll get a roundtable of who has what. But I'm pouring the Darkest Hour Dark Saison. So let's see here what everyone else has uh, has in their cups. So today for myself, I'll be sipping on Molly's Red Ale. So a fun little fact while the guys open up their cans, uh, Broken Stick, uh, I, I, I actually used to play hockey with the two guys that, that, that started the company. Um, not sure if they're both involved, but I remember when they first started and they were just, you know, making their first beers, I, I would go over to their, like the warehouse that they had in, and their beer was always awesome. So, I mean, I'm sure you guys are in for a treat this evening, courtesy of Broken Stick Brewery. This is actually the first time I've ever tried any of their beer. Um super dark mine at least the darkest hour um let's give it a shot oh that's interesting i mean i can't compare what you guys are tasting but that is unreal that's malty rich but funky also at the same time wild that's just how kai likes it rich and funky uh, yeah, for myself, it's uh, it's really good. So I've got, uh, I mean, it seems to be an amber ale, uh, really flavorful, really like like Kyle said, rich in flavor, uh, nice and malty and toasty. Big fan of this, uh, and it's got a really nice color to it as well. A couple of episodes ago, we had talked about the different kinds of pale ale. So I guess a, a, an IPA and a New England pale ale. So all this to say, I've got the Hazy Bear New England pale ale that I'm. Uh, I'm enjoying over here. Uh, very, very nice and refreshing New England Pale Ale for me. Uh, so cheers to the producer of the producer. Cheers to Broken Stick. Uh, I'm thoroughly enjoying this, uh, and I hope you guys are too. Oh, for sure. Yeah, I'm definitely enjoying this one, and uh, I'm going to enjoy every sip of this tonight while you guys talk. I'm I'm really glad that uh, George hopped in on this segment because I think he just exposes himself for being a liar. Because last week you said that you were for going beer for Lent. Is this not a non-alcoholic beer? If you want it to be, it is. It's only alcoholic if you want it to be. Yeah. It's only alcoholic if it makes you feel a certain way. Because that should be like a tragically hip song. <laughs> All right, so I guess if you guys are like just turning the podcast on now, you're a little late, rewind to the beginning of the podcast. Nonetheless, though, I will kind of recap what we just did here. So the producer of the producer, Sags, has uh, been kind enough to provide the boys uh, with each each a different brew from Broken Stick Brewery. And so we're all kind of having something different 
uh, as opposed to all having the same brew this week. Um, so check us out on Instagram at Jim Zero's pod. Uh, we're going to have a picture of all four brews that we've been tasting uh, this this afternoon evening. We don't we don't drink in the morning, uh, and and uh, let us know. Have you guys make sure you guys like we want to interact, right? We're paying a lot of money for our social media intern. We want you to interact with us on social media. So make sure you you comment, you like, uh, respond. Let us know which ones have you tried here from Broken Stick. What do you guys think of them? We'd love to to know uh, what your thoughts are of these four lovely lovely brews from Broken Stick Brewery. Looks like Seti's beer is already hitting him. He's peeled off the label and stuck it to his face. That's great. <laughs> Man, I, I love this label. It's a, a beautiful, beautiful, cute little pup. I don't know uh, what kind of breed it is, but uh, I'm really digging the vibe. I thought Brewmaster Kyle was the lightweight. No, don't worry. I still am. So, Kyle, before we let you go... Of course, as we do every week, we have a little bit of an assignment slash homework for you to, to, to take part in while we are recording this podcast. And hopefully you have a response for us by the end of the episode. So this week, uh, it's golf related. Uh, of course, uh, for those of you that are familiar with the Ottawa golf scene, Highlands Golf Course uh, is a very, very near and dear golf course uh, to me. Uh, and one of their holes, basically I drive by every day almost, it's near my house. And one of their holes is right off of the, the main street. And the tee box is elevated. And if you're a right-handed golfer coming, driving off the tee box and you slice that ball, it's in the middle of the road. And so the question I was having or the debate I was having with some folks the other day was if you hit a ball into the street and it hits a car windshield, will it smash it or will it just chip it or will it just bounce off the windshield? Now, here's here's some numbers because you're going to need it. So average ball speed, let's say, is about 170 miles per hour. And these cars are coming the opposite way. I think the speed limit there is 50 kilometers an hour. So if you've got a ball traveling at 170 miles per hour, striking a windshield of a car coming the opposite way at 50 kilometers an hour, will it shatter the windshield? Will it just chip it? Will it bounce off? Uh, yeah, as a uh, not only a brew expert, a brewmaster, you are a physics expert, and so we're hoping you can solve that issue for us and settle this debate. So that could so you don't a, have to provide a response just yet. It could be a tricky, um, you know, if you want to actually crunch the numbers and like see what kind of impact that would make on that windshield. It could be tricky because um, you have to deal with the angle of the windshield as well, mm-hmm. and that that plays a part. Because like hitting something on, on an angle is a different force than hitting something straight on. Yeah. So. That could be tricky, but I'll I'll give it a shot. <laughs> yeah, give it a shot. If it helps, uh, I like to fantasize or dream that it is a black Honda Accord. So, so imagine it hitting a black Honda Accord. What was it? Roughly twenty 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 nineteen or so. Yeah, it's got Something Apple CarPlay. Like yeah. yeah, yeah. A lot of vape smoke coming out of the windows. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Berry flavored. Yeah. Wouldn't you also have to know? Uh, what kind of windshield it is and what material it's yeah, using. Yeah, that was my rating. next thing. You'd yeah. have to know so, yeah. at what force it would shatter or crack. Exactly. Yeah. So let me say something here. Uh, it depends. You know, if you get your windshield from Apple Auto Glass, do you guys remember? Do you guys remember the commercials for Apple Auto Glass? Yeah. Those things don't crack; they just chip. So as long as your windshield is from Apple Auto Glass, you'll be fine. You'll be fine. I'm. I'm willing to bet. I'm willing to. Skip over any math, any calculations, any any energies and forces associated to that, and I'm just going to assume only a chip. I think I'm going actually more with with coach here too. I think given most angles of the windshields that we deal with, especially Honda Accords because they are quite a uh, low car and they have a much greater incline, mm-hmm. um, I do think that it would just glance off and maybe leave a chip, but I, I think it would just mm-hmm. glance off. Yeah, well, let's run the numbers, see what we get, um, and then maybe we'll have to test it out one day. Hey, Brewmaster Kyle, uh, not only bringing it when it comes to beer, he's bringing it when it comes to physics, and uh, that's why we love him. Uh, so thank you. Thank you very much, and we'll see you in a bit. Can't wait to find out what the answer to our uh, lovely physics question is this week. Jumping to this Wednesday in sports history, I'm going to tackle this one this week uh, because, you know what, I was reading through it, and there's some different options that we can give, right? We're looking at March 30th. We've got a lot of different scenarios that we can provide 
Uh, some are related to March Madness. A lot of them are related to golf. Uh, but I decided to go with one that's neither. It's neither. So 2001, March 30th, 2001. Michael Phelps is 15 years old and nine months. He breaks the 200-meter butterfly world record at the U.S. World Championship Trials in Austin, Texas, and becomes the youngest male to set a world mark. And this got me thinking, right? Because obviously we don't talk a lot about swimming uh, on this podcast. Uh, but we look at kind of the effect that Michael Phelps has had on not only his sport of, of, of swimming, but also the effect on on every other sport and kind of the, the standard that he has set as an elite athlete. Because I, I've said it before and I always say it, my biggest judge is how far are you from the next best? And that's how I ju- judge greatness. And when we look at Michael Phelps and the amount of medals he's won and about the, the amount of world records he holds, there's a big difference between Michael Phelps and the second best. And to me, he goes down into my books as one of the goats, obviously when it comes to swimming. But I think when we look at all sports all around, like he's got to be in my top 20. Uh, so so a lot of respect for Michael Phelps and, and uh, wondering, like, do you guys share the same sentiment or do you think Michael Phelps is overrated? I think that's, uh, you know, you make an interesting point. You know, we always off, or often debate, you know, the greatest athletes of all time uh, combining every sport. You know, you got Gretzky, his name gets thrown in, Jordan. Uh, you got, uh, you know, Tiger Woods, his name gets thrown out there. But Michael Phelps is not often one that you really, whose name you really hear thrown out very often. I think just because of how kind of niche his sport is. But in terms of athletic prowess, I mean... I don't know about you guys, but I think he's probably one of the biggest athletic freaks uh, that I've ever seen. You know, just the, he's got like Kawhi Leonard arms where that are just like dragging down past his knees, you know, size 20 something feet. I mean, the, the guy was built for swimming, so you can't really knock him for picking that lane in terms of athletics. But I think uh, regardless of what, sport he chose i think he could easily excel at uh, any of those yeah you know what you guys are right and 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 you know when you think of athletes who dominated their sport you think of the wayne gretzky's the tiger woods and the michael jordans but nobody really mentions the michael phelps i mean um i don't remember which olympics it was but he was under invest investigation uh from the ioc for allegedly smoking marijuana like who cares if he wants to smoke his weed let him smoke his weed it's not enhancing his swimming it's not making him a better swimmer. He's not taking fucking steroids. He's smoking dope. Who cares? You know? But, but yeah, as you guys said, when I think of swimming, I think of two people. I think of Michael Phelps and I think of Free Willy. So, well, one person, one animal. And, 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 and honestly, <laughs> I mean, Phelps, that's, that's Phelps great. Phelps is the animal. Yeah. Phelps is the animal and Free Willy's the human. Uh, but yeah, really impressive. Honestly, all the medals he's won, all, you know, at 15 years old to, to be able to set those kind of records, I mean, it's it's really impressive. So, so cheers to Michael Phelps. Absolutely. Yeah, and you make a, a, a really excellent point as well, is that, you know, we're talking about a guy who really only gets the limelight once every four years. And I think that probably impacts uh, his recognition in terms of greatest athletes of all time, right? It's, we're only really thinking of him once out of every four years, which... You know, it doesn't help his case, but also the fact that I think he competed in a total of four Olympics. So to be able to maintain that, you know, dominance and being uh, and just being able to, yeah, dominate over a span of 16 years is also kind of a feat that is really hard to accomplish. Because you even think of, you know, basketball players or NHL players, it's rare to see someone dominate uh that much over you know a 16 year career right usually you kind of see their careers go downwards uh towards the end but he was able to sustain it you know throughout the length of his career which is also uh quite impressive yeah without a doubt i think it's pretty incredible apparently he's a decent golfer now too so uh just an all-around athlete michael phelps pretty awesome um i think we there's no really nice way or 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 perfect way to transition here i think we've we've got a, a more serious tone and, and we try not to be too serious on this podcast but i think it's it's really important as diehard ottawa senators fans uh it's important to recognize i think the contributions of eugene melnick melnick uh to the city and to saving the ottawa senators uh, a couple decades ago um recently 
I know he's taken a lot of uh, grief from the fan base for lack of spending, for comments he's made, uh, and he hasn't been necessarily the the most well-loved owner in franchise history. But I think it's important to to keep in mind that he did save the franchise a couple years ago, or about 20 years ago. He did contribute a lot in keeping the Senators in Ottawa. And unfortunately, Eugene Malik did... Uh, pass at the age of 62 uh, after battling with an undisclosed illness uh, leaves behind two daughters um, and and I guess the 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 status of the the organization is, is up in the air now but I think more importantly is I think it's important to remember the person remember the the contributions both philanthropically and and of course to the the NHL and to the Ottawa Senators organization and and so I think we want to take a, a minute to just kind of recognize Eugene Melnick for all he's done for for our hockey team uh, and uh, and may he rest in peace. Yeah, that you know what, uh, as you mentioned, George, in the last few years, you know, a lot of people have been giving him a lot of flack for not spending, for not bringing big guys into town, but but you know what, as soon as the news came out that he he had died, I mean, everybody, well, not everybody, but there was some people on online on social media asking, well, who's going to own the team now? You know what? Who cares about that right now? Who cares? A man just died. If your head is already thinking who's going to buy the team, you're a scumbag. You're a fucking loser. Like, yes, I'm sure a lot of people have thought of that. Oh, who's going to own the team now? It's not something you go on 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 your your Twitter or your Instagram or your Facebook and write. Eugene Melnick is dead. Who's going to own the team now? Let's move it to Le Breton. Fuck you. Hey, he's still a human at the end of the day. So let's not be so quick to say, okay, let's move the team now. Who's going to buy the team now? No. He's a man. He was a father. He was a husband. You know, these two daughters have lost their dad. I mean, at the end of the day, that's what it's about. And yes, he owned the team. And yes, along the way, he wasn't the biggest spender, but I mean, at the end of the day, he saved the team from going who knows where. They could have gone to fucking Houston, Kansas City. They could have left, but he he saved the team. So whether you like him or not, you have to admire the things he's done to keep the team in town. So if you were one of those guys who jumped to Twitter as soon as he died and said, oh, who's going to buy the team now? You're a fucking scumbag. Let the man rest in peace, and we'll worry about it when the time comes. I've actually, I've got a, an interesting, it's a little bit of a funny light story uh, that kind of sticks with me when it comes to Eugene Melnick and, and his family. Uh, back in 2017, when the NHL 100 Classic was being placed at TD Place, uh, Coach and I had the honor of, of working that game. Uh, and I had worked, so the game was on a Sunday, if I recall, and the Saturday night, there was an NHL VIP event where there was players and sponsors. Uh, and I was working the table where people come up, I check their IDs and give them liquor bracelets to make sure that the bar doesn't have to ID them at the bar, that you have this bracelet, you're of age to drink. Uh, and of course, Mr. Melnick had, had been fighting uh, liver liver disease and didn't drink at the time. Uh, and when he walked up, of course, obviously I know who he is. And the first thing I say to him, excuse me, sir, I need to see your ID. And he kind of looks at me like, the fuck, you don't know who I am? Uh, and then he starts pulling out his wallet to show me his ID. And I'm like, I'm, I'm just messing with you. And he goes, I, I don't even drink anyways. Uh, and so that was my only interaction with Eugene Melnick. But what I think kind of stood out to me from that was the, the conversation I later had with his daughter, Olivia, who was obviously a teenager at the time and, and, uh, we had a good chat about kind of like what it's like to have your, your dad own an NHL team and, and what it's like, you know, going to Sens games and, and being who she is and, and the pressure, not necessarily the pressure, but kind of the notoriety of, of walking around and, and how much of a fan she is and kind of how she goes about her life. And, and all I remember was just she was just such a sweet girl and super cool. Uh, and I'm thinking of her, of course, today, and, and I'm thinking of her sister as well, who just lost their father. Uh, and so wishing that family well, wishing everyone well there, and, and uh, it's just very unfortunate, and uh, they're in our thoughts and prayers for sure. So that's everything we, we, we want to touch on that. just wanted to make sure we, we give that um, some time uh, to kind of reflect on that. Jumping to the to some NFL some NFL talk, it's kind of funny. I think that's the effect that the, the NFL and football has on us. 
It doesn't matter when it is. It could be March. It could be February. It could be the middle of June, and we're probably thinking about NFL football. So today uh, it was announced that the NFL overtime rule is being changed to let both teams, or to ensure that both teams have a possession in a overtime playoff game. Of course, we all remember how the Chiefs Bills game ended uh, earlier this year. And uh, this obviously is going to make sure that that's not going to happen ever again, where two teams battle it out for four quarters, comes to the, to, the, to the overtime, a coin toss basically decides who gets the ball first, and then if you score a touchdown, you win the game, and the other team never even gets a possession. So um, I think for me this is a welcome, welcome uh, change. It's great to see that this is coming um, and making sure that nobody gets, gets screwed over like the Bills did last, last year. And so uh, where are you guys on this? You like it? You don't like it? I, I think we all kind of agreed that the Bills got screwed, but did you want to see a rule change like this? I mean, I think it's about time that they did something about this rule, right? I think, uh, you know, you mentioned the Chiefs and Bills game last year. There was another incident, I think, involving the Chiefs a couple years back where uh, kind of same sort, same sort of scenario played out. So, you know, I think it was long overdue. I think uh, most people, I think, I mean... Anyone who is a fan of football or of the NFL thinks that rule is stupid. And uh, so, yeah, I, I mean, I think it was just the logical thing. And I think if they didn't change the rule this offseason, I think a lot of people would have been upset. Uh, I actually saw an interesting stat. can't remember where it was. But uh, since that previous rule was in-state uh, uh, put in, I think it was in 2010 or 2010 or 2012, around that time. Uh, since then, there's been 12 playoff games decided by overtime. Seven of the 12 teams that uh, won the won the game on the first possession, which you, you think, okay, that's around the 50% mark, you know, not a big deal. But 10 out of 12 teams that won the coin toss ended up winning the game. So... Even though you're not, you might not be winning on the first possession. Being the the first team to get two possessions in overtime has a huge, also plays a huge factor. So, you know, ten out of twelve times, if you win the coin toss, you win the game. That that doesn't sound like sport to me, right? So, I, I think it's about time that they they did they did something to to change that rule. Yeah, yeah, I, I think it's it's about time we talk about two teams that battle it out all season. They get to a playoff game, you battle it out all game, and then a coin toss basically decides that for you. So I think that's unfortunate uh, for all those teams that have gone through that, but I'm happy that that's not going to happen to anybody else moving forward. But the Bills, you know, I think may have been unlucky, uh, but I think now they're probably looking at their luck and saying it's probably on our side. Looking at um, today what was announced, where the Buffalo Bills uh, are building a new stadium with an estimated cost of $1.4 billion. That's with a B. Taxpayers in the state of New York uh, are going to cover $850 million of it, so about 60%. Uh, and then the Pagulas are, are the owners of the Bills. Uh, the Pagula family, I think, are, are chipping in about $350 million. And then the NFL, for some reason, is also thrown in about $200 million. Uh, but... The big news here is the tax dollars that are being used to fund a privately owned sports facility. I think there's there's been a lot of talk about this. Obviously, the Bills are not the first to be in this situation. Every single major sports team has, has either asked or received taxpayer money to build these stadiums. The argument behind it is that it's good for the economy. It builds jobs. Uh, it, it increases the, the value of, of businesses and, and, and residential uh, buildings around it and so there's a lot of plus which is why the the i guess the taxpayers the politicians decide to invest into these uh, but how do you feel ultimately about this so i think for me as a as a sports fan if let's say the city of ottawa was to throw in some money to build a new stadium in lebrenton flats for the ottawa senators i think i'd be all for it if it, if it gets it there now if i wasn't a sports fan I'd be a little bit pissed to be like, why the hell are we using our taxpayer money to fund a sports team stadium? And I'm not even a sports fan. I don't really care. But Seti, where are you on this? I guess on the spectrum here, are you, are you for against it somewhere in between? So is this uh, the tax money that's being used? Is this a municipal tax tax or is this a state tax? 
Do we know? Or that information off the top of our head? Because the way, the way I'm thinking, if, if it's a state tax and I'm a fan of, you know, the Jets or the Giants, I'm, I'm pissed off, right? Because yeah. my, my tax money is going to pay for a new stadium for a, an other NFL team that I don't even cheer for. But I my think understanding this, is it's municipal. So it's the municipal. city of okay. Buffalo. Yeah. So in that case, this is probably one of the only times where fans would be happy for their tax money to go there. You know, Bill's Mafia. They'll do anything for their team, you know, including jumping off the top of a bus into a, a, a table and snapping their arm in half. So uh, I think, I mean, personally, as much as I love my Ravens, I don't know that I want would want to lose tax money to for them to get a new stadium. But uh, like I said, if I think if any city would get behind that, I think uh, Buffalo is that city. Yeah, and, and, and you know what? Just for the record, uh, SETI, the Giants and Jets actually play in East Rutherford, New Jersey. They're actually, although they're called the New York Giants and the New York Jets, their stadium's actually in Jersey across the bridge. So, uh, so would that be? Wouldn't that? So the state tax would be New Jersey. State tax money would be from the state of New Jersey because technically it's in New Jersey. Tremendous. But but again, like you're asking people who live there to to pay their taxes so a chunk of it will go into a new stadium. I don't know how I feel about that. What if you don't like football? What if the Bills are not your team? You know, if you don't care about sports at all, why are you paying into it? You know, I I don't agree with it. I wouldn't do that if the Sands wanted to move and they wanted me, they wanted my tax money to go. Fuck that. If you own the team, you should have enough money to build a new stadium. I don't agree with having to pay out of my own pocket, my taxes, so a guy that's already rich can stay rich and not have to spend his own money to build a new fucking a new stadium. I'm not for it whatsoever. Yeah, it, it's 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 the common argument that's been had here in Ottawa between the late Eugene Melnick and the city of Ottawa. Uh, that's how basically when he had a a partnership with John Ruddy from Trinity, who's a part owner of the of, of Ottawa Sports and Entertainment Group. The biggest piece there, the holdup, and the reason why the Libretton Flats project never worked out was because Melnick wanted either ready, ready to pay for it all or he wanted it for free from the city of Ottawa and he didn't want to put any of his own money into it. And Jim Watson and the city of Ottawa put their foot down and said, no, we're not, we're not paying for your, for your NHL arena for you to benefit off of it and you to make money off of it. So it's a controversial topic that is like i said always discussed no matter what the sport is no matter what the team is it's always something that comes up and for some reason um these these municipalities always end up paying for some of it i think part of it is maybe a fear of this team walking so if if i don't if i don't build this guy's arena is he going to take the team and leave my city if i if i don't build this guy's arena or pay for it what's the effect of it is it going to have on on my 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 voters on the constituents uh, what effect is it going to have on my local economy and so there's a lot at play here um and it's it's very polarizing to say the least but i mean buffalo being the closest to us in terms of ottawa and geographically i look forward to being able to travel up there and catch a game in this brand new stadium at a at a 1.4 billion dollar price tag We've seen what they've done in Atlanta. We've seen what they've done in LA just recently. Obviously, San Francisco is not very old there, Levi Stadium. Uh, they're building some state-of-the-art facilities, especially within the NFL. So I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing what Buffalo comes up with uh, and we will be for sure going to be catching the Bills game sometime soon after it's built, of course. I'm hearing, though, that half of that budget, that, uh, what is it, the one point, uh, $1.4 billion, I think... Uh, Half of that budget is actually going towards folding tables, so I, I think it, the uh, the stadium itself might not be that nice. Oh shit! Regardless, we will be tar- partaking. Speaking of fold- folding tables, I think coach still needs to be thrown through through a table, doesn't he? He always does. I've yet to be thrown through a table. It is something that I'd like to do, um, but again, I fear the table getting hurt. I'm, I'm thinking of the table's feelings. Uh, you know, I, I want it to stand on its legs after I'm done with it, and I don't know if it will. 
But yeah, let's do it. Throw me through a table. And then after you throw me through a table, I want you to throw Kyle through two tables, one on top of each other. And I want to see if we can go through both of them in one shot. We'll have to do the math first. We'll have Kyle next episode uh, look at the math to see how much pressure and force would have to be put on two tables for them to break. Yeah. No, so, I'm all so we can, we can, I, I would love to yeah. see. I'd love to see Kyle get thrown through two tables. Yeah, we'll we'll we'll, we'll make sure that happens. And I want to throw him off a roof too. All right. Uh, I don't think we should be recording this aspect here. It's getting a little violent. That's fine. Jumping to some basketball. Cassetti's been itching. You know what? I've been thoroughly enjoying the March Madness. Uh, we've been we've been lighting sports interaction on fire, minus the Ottawa money line uh, that Seti and I missed on on Saturday night. But otherwise, things have been nice. We've been watching some March Madness. It's down to the Final Four now. We've got Villanova, Kansas, Duke, and UNC. Where, 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 you guys? I, I think I feel like Seti's got UNC in in the books here. Uh, am I right to assume that? Absolutely. I think. I mean, they've got a, a tremendous shot at at winning this. Um, you know, they beat Duke in a. I would I would say probably just as big of a stage, maybe a month back now. Um, when it was we talked about it on this podcast when it was Coach K's last game at home. UNC rose to the occasion and uh, embarrassed Duke, and I think they have a chance of doing it again. It's one of one of sports or, or one of college sports' biggest rivalries, so I think it'll be a great game. Both teams are are on fire right now, and uh, yeah, it'll be it'll be a riot of a game. Coach, where's your money at? So when we made our brackets, I picked the Jayhawks, University of Kansas, to win it all. But deep down, I'm a big UNC fan, as you guys know. There's nothing I would love more than to see UNC beat Duke again. But this time in the Final Four, Coach K goes out on a loss. I would love to see that. I'll be watching the game on Saturday. I mean, Duke-UNC, honestly, when it comes to college hoops, doesn't get better than that. That's the classic rivalry that I've grown to watch and enjoy my entire life. I mean, it's been Coach K this whole time, and it's just been... You know, Coach K versus Coach Williams, and you know this is the first year that he's not around. Now they got a new head coach, and and to make it to the Final Four is is really impressive. I mean, I don't know the stat, although I feel that historically the teams that have a new coach uh, in their first year don't do so well. So so I think the fact that they've they've made it to the Final Four as a as a crazily underrated seed at the number eight, they should be ranked way higher than eight. But you know what? It doesn't matter because look where they are. So I'm I'm pumped. UNC all the way. I mean, I, I, I don't remember my bracket exactly, but I think I picked the Jayhawks, University of Kansas, to play UNC in the final. I don't remember if that's exactly it, but I want to say it's that. Uh, but I'm looking forward to I'm looking to the looking forward to the final four this weekend. And 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 again, you know, I don't want to I don't want to underplay the like the one two matchup. Kansas Villanova, I feel like that'll be a great game as well. So we're definitely in for some great basketball this weekend. Yeah, and I think uh, because of our hiatus last week, we didn't really get a chance to really talk about all the craziness that happened over the last two weeks in terms of March Madness. But this was just in general one of the best, I think, March Madness uh, years from start to where we are now in terms of upsets and you know close games. It seems like almost every game came down to the last minute. And, uh, you know, we're talking about UNC. Shout out to, we got to give a shout out to St. Peter's, who uh, went on a hell of a ride. You know, the first 15 seed to make it to the Elite Eight, unfortunately, got embarrassed by by UNC in that game. But, uh, yeah, it's been a, a crazy ride. You, you know, we think of Kentucky, who I had picked to win it all, getting, you know, embarrassed in the first round by St. Peter's. A lot of top-seeded schools went out in the first or second round. So it's been a really enjoyable March Madness to watch. Um, and, uh, yeah, I don't think these last three games will disappoint. And like Coach said, hopefully UNC at the end of the day uh, is cutting down the nets uh, at the end of the final game. But, um, you you know, you said that it's rare to see, you know, a first-year coach do as well as, as Hubert Davis has 
done for for UNC. I think he's the first or maybe the second person all time to make it to the final four as a player and as a coach representing the same team. So he went to the final four um, as a player, I think in the, in the eighties, I think he might've even played with Jordan uh, back in the day, but uh, yeah, it's quite impressive uh, to see what he's done there. They had a rocky start to the season, but he seems to have really, you know, uh, he's been able to, to really turn the season around with his team. And I think, he, you know, as like you said, as a first-year coach, it's always hard to step in and, you know, make an impact right away. But you're really starting to see that he's getting through the players and just the relationship that he's built with these players uh, this year. You can, when they won, they were so happy for him. So it's really nice to see. Seti, true or false, uh, you only bet on college basketball. You know, I, I had to break my rule this weekend and... It just proved to me why I don't because I think I hit one out of four games. So there you go. There you have it. Never, never bet on college sports. And the only, the only game I I hit on was UNC. I I've been, I I'm, I was riding St. Peter's for a while. So uh, it's sad to see them fizzle out. Uh, but you know what? I, I like you guys. You guys are on this UNC. Uh, this 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 huge little like kick with UNC. I appreciate that. I respect that. Um, I think there's something special when it comes to Coach K and, and what he's built there, and, and him leaving his last season. I think there's some kind of fairy dust that's going to be sprinkled all over that Duke team, and I think they're gonna they're gonna make it to the to the championship game. If they win or not, I don't know, but I think they they get past UNC on Saturday night. Otherwise, I like Villanova. Uh, there's no real reason. There's no kind of like actual strategy. There's no basketball knowledge behind that. I just uh, I respect teams that start with V, uh, and Villanova kind of sounds cool. Um, um, so I'm just gonna go with Villanova for that reason. No other reason. That's also the same reason I took Gonzaga to win it all. Uh, Gonzaga is just a great name. Full full disclosure. <laughs> One thing I do know a little bit more about though is is soccer. Uh, I, I of course call it football cause I'm a, I'm a traditionalist, uh, I'm part British as well. Uh, and so to me, it was, I was on cloud nine on su- Sunday afternoon watching Canada defeat Jamaica and qualifying for the world cup 2022 in Qatar their first World Cup in 36 years. We've hinted to it earlier on in this podcast. I've spoken about it. I'm fired up. It means a lot to me. I've been a diehard soccer fan for the last year and a half. And this is just beautiful. It's beautiful to see Canada make it to the World Cup. We're going to be watching World Cup soccer come the end of this year with Canada playing in it. It's going to be interesting to see who they end up being paired with in the group stage. Uh, Coach has already told me that he thinks there's no way they get past the group stage. I'm being a bit more optimistic. I think depending, if they get a good favorable draw, they might get past the group stage. I'm calling it. I'm calling it here. I'm, I'm not ready to put my life savings on them winning the World Cup. Sorry, sports interaction. I'm not doing that just yet. But this team is legit. They just qualified. They came up in front of teams like Mexico and the U.S. And keep in mind, uh, the last large chunk of their games has been without their best player in Alfonso Davies. That's a legit team. There's some really solid pieces there. And I think they can make some damage. They can do some damage in the World Cup. The right stage. I'm not, I'm not saying they're going to beat Spain. I'm not saying they're going to go in there and they're going to they're gonna embarrass England. I just think they're going to do some damage if faced with the, the right competition. Do you stand by that? Do you, do you agree with that? Uh, coach, do you stand by your prediction of them uh, not getting past the group stage? Yep. And I'm sticking to it. Listen, I'm, I'm, I'm happy that, you know, they made it to the world cup first time in 36 years, first time in all of our, all of our, you know, all of our lifetimes. That's great. It's a great accomplishment. And, and I respect your optimism, but let's be realistic here. They're going to get grouped up with 
a European team, a powerhouse European team. Don't know who, we don't know the draws yet. They're also likely to be in the same group as a powerhouse African team, which again, we don't speak about Africa much when it comes to sports. I mean, it's, you know, it, it's not up in the news very often, but there's a lot of really good teams in Africa that just kind of fly under the radar. So you're going to put a European team, you're going to put an African team, and you're probably going to put a team from South America. I don't know who. And then you're going to throw throw Canada in there. There's no chance. There's They have no chance. The CONCACAF is not a strong group to begin with. I mean, in order to qualify, they had to beat teams like El Salvador, Honduras, you know, Jamaica. It, it's it's not that impressive. Panama, um, you know, U.S., Mexico. Yeah, there's Panama. Rest in peace, Eddie Van Halen. Great song. But uh, um, there's no way. There's no way they make it out. And, and and I'm not cheering for Canada. Look, they're my country, and, and, and I... You know, I hope they do well, but realistically, they have no chance. Uh, I, I've been cheering now for Spain since I was probably 11 or 12 years old, and, and I don't plan to change my allegiance, even if they made it in. Like, you know, That's I ridiculous. live in Canada, and, and, and I, you know, and I love Canada, but on a sports level, I've always been a fan of Spain, and, and, and that's not going to change. So you guys will see the Spanish flag on the car. Come October, November, in anticipation of the World Cup. I always put it up. Seti, so. Seti tell him he's being ridiculous. Ah, oh, boy. Uh, <laughs> Seti's torn. Know. Seti's torn because of no, Italy was you know in. What? Oh, yeah. The, that's another one. It, well, yeah. That's no, another we thing we'll have to. Th- we'll have to We're yeah. talking about Canada right now. We're talking about Canada right now. Um, you know, as much as I wish I could say that Simon's completely out of his mind, you know, Yes, what they've been able to do in CONCACAF is very impressive, and they're definitely on the rise. I think in terms of on the world stage, uh, the CONCACAF is probably one of the uh, easiest you know, conferences or whatever organizations. Uh, there's not much depth there. I think, like George said, you know, they could luck out and be in one of the easier divisions, but an easy division in the world cup is still, you know, three other of the best soccer countries in the world. Right. I think, I think they can keep up offensively. I think they do have the firepower, you know, like we saw score four goals against Jamaica. They were upsetting the teams you would expect, you know, a world cup team to, to blow out. They were, you know, they were, they were meeting up or they were meeting expectations in that regard, but, I think where they're going to fall flat or fall short is defensively. So I think they'll be able to to keep up in terms, you know, being able to score goals. But I think defensively they're just not there. I think they'll they'll have a a hard time, you know, playing defense like you said against uh, some of the the powerhouses on the world stage that are known okay. for being having offensive talent, right? So I think in that right. regard, I think all right. So I- yeah, go ahead. I've got a I've got a simulator up of the group stage. First one I run here, they're in group B with Belgium. They're probably locked there. Switzerland and Peru. I think we can beat out Peru and Switzerland. Let's no, run don't another finish the group. I, no, they're finishing I don't think last place Switzerland. In now you got, I think you got Spain, Denmark, and I Peru. I think you can draw I think you can draw or beat Peru, but I think that's the only game you, you have much of a chance in. Right, how about Denmark? You know, Denmark, there's, you know, that's another thing that kind of skews skews us is, you know, we're saying Switzerland, we're saying, you know, Denmark. They're not the best teams in Europe, but Europe is the best conference or the best, you know, organization in the world, right? You know, you got, maybe you got some other teams spread out, you got some teams in, you know, in South America, but, you know, it's the a Swiss team in the, well, I mean, Again, we're talking about Italy that didn't qualify for the World Cup, but they were the one of the only teams that really gave Italy a, a tough, you know, a, a tough game in the Euro Cup. So they're they're nothing to laugh laugh at either. So I mean, like we said, I think offensively they'll be able to score goals, which is something they weren't able to do thirty six years ago. I don't think they they scored a goal the whole tournament, maybe one. So I think they'll be able to score goals. They have that talent, but defensively, I think is where they're kind of going to get exposed. and uh, But yeah, I mean, I'm still going to cheer for them. 
Yeah, I, I, I just think it's unrealistic that to have too high of an expectation of them coming into this tournament. You know, it's it's a huge win to have qualified, and I think we we should be happy with that. You know, it's the first step. Uh, it's still a young team for the most part, so maybe next World Cup we'll have higher expectations. But I think for this time around, I'll just be happy to see them on the world stage, maybe pull out a win, one win or one draw. And I think that's kind of what we can really expect uh, out of them, unfortunately. George, George, run another uh, random group thing. Run right, another random group one. generator. Let's do here's a few a new, more and I'll tell one. you. All right, here's another one. Qatar... Germany, Tunisia, Canada. That's group they'll be A. Third, they'll, be, they'll be third place in that group. I think they go second behind Germany. Nah. The Tunisians are stronger than you think. Yeah. All right, let's do another one. Sure, we'll do we'll do one or two more. England, Netherlands, Canada, Cameroon. <laughs> last. That's, that's, a last. Tough, that's, last. that's a tough one. That's Honestly, tough one. I, think, I think just from the simulations, we'll, we can do one more, but I think from all the simulations, I think... Canada, I, I would say I'd be comfortable saying Canada can finish third in their group. Here's right, another one, one, last one, yeah. last one. Argentina, Denmark, Serbia, Canada. Third. Last. I think they I think they can beat the Serbs. But that's the fun part, is is we can think about it now, we can hypothesize all of this, uh, but we'll, we'll find out for real come Qatar 2022 and see where they end up. But I think, as you said, the importance is that we've qualified. We're going to be there. It's been 36 long years. For me, it's been a, a year and a half, a very long year. Uh, and now Team Canada is going to be at the World Cup, so that's a big deal, and we should be very proud and excited for that. Yeah, The biggest deal is that it's about time that people put some respect on Canada's name. Yeah, and, and this is going to be huge for the future of this sport. And seeing them achieve that, like we have seen at the women's side, so much success with our Canadian women's, obviously gold medal winners uh, at the Olympics. And you couple that with now the success we're seeing on the men's side, this is just going to exponentially raise the popularity of soccer in this country. And I think it's something that we should all be very happy and excited about. Uh, we're going to be breeding some some great soccer players for years to come. All right, let's uh, let's bring Brewmaster Kyle back in. Uh, he's been running some numbers for us in the background, and, and I'm I'm curious: is the Honda Accord windshield in pieces? Is it still there? What's what's our uh, conclusion? So, I didn't get a chance to uh, actually look at the ratings of different windshields, um, but we only had it 45 seem... minutes. Yeah, well, I mean, 45. Relax. Uh, it does seem like it would just glance off based on the angle. If it hit straight on, it would go straight through, but uh, it, I think it would hit glance off. So, uh, coaches, uh, Honda so, so based on yeah. the angle, damn. Kyle, appreciate you running those numbers. This is not something that could be easily Googleable. Uh, and so I appreciate that your knowledge is available to us uh, for these types of questions. Absolutely. All right, let's jump to a game of the week, and then we're going to wrap this thing up. Uh, Coach, what's your game of the week? I'm not going to take Duke UNC. I'll leave that for Seddy. Um, I will take really random, probably one of the most boring games of the week, but I'm going to go Red Wings and Sens in Ottawa uh, Sunday afternoon, the first home game since the past. Eugene Melnick, so, so I'm really hoping that the fans really, uh, you know, really make their way out there and, and they, you know, they put their asses in the seats and that it's a sold-out game. It's a Sunday afternoon game. It's a 1 p.m. game, so there's no reason why why it shouldn't be full. But, uh, you know, I'm, 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 I'm hoping that they, you know, they fill the stands. And, and you know, Red Wings and Sands is not the best matchup. But I think you got to look you got to look at a, a little bit past that and, and, and you know, ex, express your gratitude and your appreciation for... Uh, for Mr. Melnick and what he's done for the city. So Red Wing sends 1 p.m. Sunday. I love that. That's a fantastic game of the week uh, for all the right reasons. Seti, what's your game of the week? I mean, I think it's quite obvious by now. Uh, Saturday night, you got Duke-UNC going up head-to-head and uh, hoping UNC makes it to the final. And if let's, I'll, I'll go and say uh, 
if UNC wins it all, I'll shave a nice little uh, Tar Heel in my chest here. We're going to hold you to that. 100% we will hold you to it. Uh, Brewmaster Kyle, what are you most looking forward to watching this week? Flames Canucks. (laughs) I just had to look because I was spending my entire time crunching numbers. Uh, But Tottenham's playing on Sunday. I'm not going to be able to watch it, but I'm definitely going to be cheering them on remotely. Tottenham's playing Newcastle United. Hopefully they can get a win out of that. Beautiful. Beautiful, I was going to say. Newcastle, Tottenham. I knew you were going there. Uh, I'm going to go with our future group stage winners in Team Canada, soccer, men's soccer. Uh, They are playing Panama on the day that this is coming out on March 30th. And so uh, because they have recently qualified and are future group stage winners, I'm going to have to go with Team Canada. Not that I think they're going to put out their best lineup anyways, but I'm looking forward to that because I'm a a soccer fanatic. But hey, um, speaking of soccer and being fanatics, I think it's really important that um, we share something that's really important. Uh, Athletico Ottawa is having their home opener on April 9th. It's at 3 p.m. They're doing this for the second year in a row where you pay what you can. So it's basically you pay as much as you want for the ticket. You can pay $5. You can pay $1. You can pay $0. I don't know. I think it's an increment of 5 maybe. But anyways, you pay what you can. There's no set price for the ticket. Uh, and all proceeds are going f- towards humanitarian assistance to support Ukrainians. Uh, and so not only can you catch and support the uh, Atletico Ottawa uh, in their season and home opener, uh, but you can also use the money that you're putting towards a really good cause. So that's April 9th, 3 p.m. at TD Plays. Check out their website to get tickets. Uh, that's kind of my plug for Atletico Ottawa. And that's my game of the week. And that's all I got for you. So tune in next week for another episode of the Gym Class Zeroes podcast. Uh, we're, we're almost feeling a little rusty. I think we, we took that week off last week uh, for... Um, I guess we can't really say why that's uh, under a NDA, uh, but regardless, we're back and we will be here next week. Uh, we hope so. Uh, and uh, that's all we got. So listen, follow us uh, on Twitter at Gym Class Zeroes pod with a zero on Instagram at Gym Class Zeroes pod reminder. Check out our brew of the week, our four brews of the week this week, courtesy of uh, Broken Stick Brewery and the producer of Producer Sex. Uh, so once again thank you so much for listening we appreciate you guys uh make sure you like us on on instagram and and uh you like our little spotify thing leave a review like we always do uh that's much appreciated it goes a really long way towards us being better than joe rogan uh so thank you for the support on behalf of producer segs coach seti and of course blue master kyle my name is george thanks for listening to the gym class heroes podcast did you miss me it's only alcoholic if you want it to be ah fuck guy Fuck. Oh. Please tell me we're still recording. Fuck off. Okay. Make sure this is part of the podcast. We gotta keep this in. <laughs> Don't edit out. You'd think that Zaitsev just walked into his house or something. That was cold. We will become viral if we keep that in the podcast.